Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is near. This is the cry of the church on this unusually joyful day. And it's the reason for the change from the customary Advent purple to the cheerful rose color. On this day, flowers may be put on the altar, and as you can see, we've done that, which otherwise are not permitted during Advent. Likewise, the organ, which is supposed to be silent during Advent, is allowed to play even interludes. The motive for this more festive spirit is that the Lord is nigh, to use the old translation. As one gets closer to an anticipated event, the feeling of happiness increases along the way. And so the church wants us to get ready for Christmas, but this means of hinting in anticipation of the wonders that will unfold upon the Lord's nativity. But all of this is only at a superficial level, of course. What the church is really celebrating is the supernatural life of our souls, the thing that we call sanctifying grace. This means that Christ is very close, very much near. Not only in the sense that the calendar days show us that Christmas is around the corner, but in the deeper sense that being in the state of grace is the real source of our happiness. Only someone who knows the goodness of Christ understands this. In the Gospel, which I just read for you, we come across the person of St. John the Baptist. A delegation had come to him asking what to do to prepare for the Lord. He doesn't leave his questioners in doubt about his identity. He is not the one, but one mightier is coming, he says. Now, there are many senses in which it is true that our Lord is coming. In the historic past, it meant that the Lord was about to make his appearance in public. For the future, it means that the Lord will come again at the end of the world to consummate human history. But he is also coming to dwell with us in our souls by sanctifying grace. And not only Christ, but the other persons of the Blessed Trinity as well. If you remember, our Lord promised, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come and dwell with him. And so, God inhabits the soul that's in sanctifying grace. 
And so we call Christ Emmanuel, which means God with us. The purpose of his coming was that he might live not only on this earth for a few years, but that he might live lastingly in us by sanctifying grace. And even though this is true, yet we still say that the Lord is coming. We are waiting for him to come. And how can this be? But in the sense that grace can be increased. We don't say that once we're baptized, all our spiritual perfection has been accomplished and there's nothing more we need to do. Far from it. Notice that we Catholics do not say that we are saved. We are redeemed. But salvation is to be acquired. The grace of God must increase and we must avoid mortal sin. And so we always need to grow in grace. It is like being in a dark place and the light increases more and more. There's never a time when we can say that we have arrived or that Christ has arrived fully in us. It's a curious thing that we're largely unaware of the possession of sanctifying grace in us. St. Paul says we have this treasure in us in earthen vessels, fragile vessels. Only in the next life will it be manifest of who we Christians are, when we'll be in a state of glory, when we will glow with the radiance of Christ in heaven. But in the meantime, the time of waiting, the long advent of this life, St. Paul says we groan within as we await the redemption of our bodies. We're strangers and sojourners or travelers here making our way. All the same, buried within us, we have this hidden treasure which will one day be open and made manifest. This is sanctifying grace. We're always bound to make improvements, to make it increase, to make us better Christians. Advent is the summons to us not to put off this preparation because the time will come when we will not grow in grace. We only have a few short years in this life. And when it's over, that measure of grace will have attained its limits. And now I return to the theme of the day, being joyful. Being in a state of grace is the greatest reason we have to be joyful people. When Adam, of old, lived in paradise, he was an exceedingly joyful man because he didn't know the absence of grace. God was very close to him. There was no sorrow. 
he could enjoy all the good things that God created for him with a free conscience. He lived well, and he could sleep in peace. Then came the evil day, the first sin. At the moment joy left him, misery set in. And so we hear on Christmas Day the announcement of the angels, glory to God in the highest and peace to men of goodwill. Peace would come. Sorrows didn't end, but now there was hope. A Christian knows how it is to be joyful on the inside, even if he has to suffer through various forms of want. Such a man is not one who allows himself to be subject to moods and fluctuations, high and low. The joys of being in a state of grace are not affected much by misfortunes, and the reason is that Christ lives within. And so this kind of possession is there even in the midst of hard times, in sickness, in being abandoned. Today is called Gaudete Sunday, the Rejoice Sunday, and it parallels our present life. Joyful for us now, but not a complete joy until Christ will take full possession of our souls. Meanwhile, we carry on in a joyful way hoping for an outcome of full possession of the Lord. This explains the somewhat paradoxical meaning of rejoicing while in this valley of tears.